Sheesh. Look at these refugees. How about a smile? They've undergone terrible hardships. Well, moping won't make it better. Mom, Dad, there's something I have to do. You're not going to like it, but I really believe it's the right thing. Arch, she's going to narc on our stash. We don't have a stash. No, of course not. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review episode four of season twelve. It's episode CABF01, Lisa the Tree Hugger. I am Dando. I am Guy. A very socially conscious episode, this one, Dando. Yes. Yeah, mm. uh, I don't a know. Very different episode from what we've had so far this season. I feel like the first few episodes have been focusing on the funny, where this one was more focusing on the message. Yes, and certainly not focusing so much on the funny. Nah, look, that's a bit mean, but I mean, honestly, I found this episode was fine <laughs> yeah it's 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 not a bad episode but yeah after the fairly high standard tip of the first three episodes of season 12 yeah this one just felt a bit sort of like mm, it's it gets the job done but uh, not much more than that for mine don't get me wrong i mean there's a couple of good bits in there but uh yeah this is uh perfectly acceptable shall we say for mine at least i think it- I think it depends on what you want from The Simpsons at this point. And for me personally, I've said this a few times, I just want them to entertain me. Mm-hmm. And the first three episodes entertained me a lot more than this. And like, like you were saying, this not to say that this episode was bad. It just wasn't... It's not one that I'm going to go back and revisit anytime soon. I mean, it was, it was a perfectly fine episode. It was a nice story, told a good message. Um, Joshua Jackson's performance was good. But overall, it just wasn't one that I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch that one again. But that's still, it was, a, it was like you said, a fine episode. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Joshua Jackson, who, uh, yeah, I was, um, I'd remembered that he was in it, uh, and but I didn't really remember too much about his performance. But, uh, yeah, coming back to it, it was like, yeah, you're doing not a bad job here. You don't have much of a character, but, I mean, you're doing, a f- you're doing quite a lot with what you've been given. You know, he's walking a very fine line of, you know, uh, being wholly sincere about uh, Jesse's environmental beliefs and his sort of eco-activism, but sort of t- very gently and slyly taking the piss out of, uh, you know, how smug and self-righteous uh, some activists can be in that regard. That's what I liked about it too. It wasn't just all pro-activist. It was, yeah, he had a bit of a smug tone to him, didn't he? Even the fact that he didn't even know Lisa's name at one point and things like that. Yeah, he was kind of, he kind of had his head up his own ass a little bit. Not, not a whole lot. I mean, I don't doubt I don't doubt his sincerity when it came to saving the planet or anything like that. But uh, usually, when you're on the side of the angels with a cause like this, you can yeah get a little uh, a little self obsessed and I said a little self righteous. I always saw this episode as a bit ridiculous. I mean, when I, I remember when I first watched it, thinking, well, as if anyone's going to live in a tree. Much to my surprise, when I did research for this review, this actually happened. So yeah, in ninety seven ninety eight, Julia Butterfly Hill stayed. She's an American activist. She lived in a tree for a yeah, couple of years to prevent it. What was the tree? It was a, in California, wasn't it? California Redwood. I think it was called Luna. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, she lived up there for two whole years. Became, I guess she became famous in America. Was she famous here? I can't recall anything about it being said on the news here, but um, apparently she was quite spoken about in the news in America. Became like a sort of like the, the tree representative. They used to yes. cut to her doing live broadcasts and whatnot. But um, yeah, so this is actually based on a true story. So I think I appreciate what Matt Selma did with this episode a lot more having known it's actually based on something. It wasn't just completely fabricated because it's such a ridiculous premise. I thought there's no way this actually happened, but it actually did. Yeah, no, I remember hearing about uh, Julia Butterfly Hill back in the day. I hadn't uh, sort of given her a whole lot of thought until I returned to this episode to check it out. But uh, yeah, yeah, she, you know, she was um, fairly prominent in the uh, yeah late 90s, early 2000s as uh, yeah sort of a representative of uh, yeah, someone uh, walking it like they talk it. So um, and I think she did set a stand. I mean, I've heard of I've heard of other um, green activists. You know, we hear about people sort of chaining themselves to trees so they can't get chainsawed down. But uh, but I have heard of other people, if not living in trees for prolonged periods like Julia did. Uh, yeah, certainly for a time at least to to make a statement. So uh, yeah, she probably uh, she set a bit of a trend, and good on. I like for the it. twist. 
yeah, exactly. I like the twist that Matt put on the um on the story as well of Lisa being the reason that the tree actually came down. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. And I liked how they sort of uh, initially it's like, oh, well, you know, oh, it was lightning. It's not my fault. That's all right then. And that's, yes, but uh, what about the bucket? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a nice and it, it was just true too. But I mean, by this point, we have to sort of forget that Lisa's only eight because if you think, if you're putting an eight-year-old in this position, it's ridiculous. The fact that she's going to the meetings and she's living in a tree and she's only eight years old. But put that aside, she's still a kid. And I like how when she was up there, she looked and she saw... It was great, all the cliches, you know, painting the Easter eggs and hanging Christmas stockings and all the stuff that you love, you know, all family stuff. It was nice that she... Because this was just sort of a a spur-of-the-moment thing, the climbing the tree and whatnot, doing it because she liked Jesse. But family was more important and she was drawn away from her beliefs, so to speak, and her um, what she was trying to do here just to be with her family, and I liked that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good balance that, uh, you know, I, just as Jesse is sincere about his beliefs, I think Lisa is very sincere about her beliefs. I mean, I don't think she's sort of... Sure, she'll occasionally charge into things, but uh, it's always from a good place. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wholly agree with you that, uh, yeah, looking down over The Simpsons had like, oh, everything looks so sweet. And the, the show, the episode made it... Uh, look awfully appealing, didn't it? I mean, I'd be, yeah, very happy to sort of climb down out the tree and go back and have a snooze by the fire. That would just look awfully, awfully nice. But we're coming close to Christmas and Elliot has this thing he loves watching on Shrek, oh, sorry, on Netflix, sorry, called Shrek the Halls. Um, <laughs> it's, like the, it's, like, it's like the Christmas Shrek little mini movie thing. And now that he's watching that again, it's just like, oh yeah, Christmas time is coming. And I, 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 everyone who listens to this podcast knows, by the way, I'm a big kid when it comes to Christmas. It's, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of a delightful time of year. You're right. Yeah. Um, fun fact before we get into more. So the character of Jesse Grass, Jesse Grass, as they would say in America, was <laughs> named after Matt Salmon, the writer, uh, his brother Jesse. Uh, Jesse Salmon, who according to Matt, acts a lot like Jesse Grass. Jesse Grass. Um, the last name also came from Jesse's bluegrass band, just simply called Grass. <laughs> <laughs> Try a little harder there, Jesse. Come on, man. Yeah, lots of, lots of grass at the, uh, at the Salmon <laughs> household. But uh, before we get into our review, a couple of things. Happy birthday for last week. Hope you enjoyed your day. Hey, Dando. Happy birthday to you for last week. And I hope you had a good day. Uh, yeah, we are. I um, I certainly did. Just uh, basically, was it Father's Day or was because no, see Father's Day is so close to our birthday, so it's just like it was sort of merged into one. But we um, we just went for a nice family stroll on the beach, and we uh, had a nap in the afternoon. It was oh. amazing. Yeah, and, um, you are, yeah, got very. You are reaching the stage where a nap in the afternoon is basically the best gift you can get. <laughs> it really is, and it, the fact is, I uh, my brain just got to the point where it went. Nobody, we're going to sleep. Cause I sat in front of the TV to watch this wrestling pay per view, and I got about two minutes in, and I was gone. <laughs> it was just out. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that was great. But before we continue, we need to mention our listener Dylan Haggett reminded us last week that September also, um, not only just for our birthdays, it's also uh, International Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, where you're bringing attention to all those brave kids out there fighting cancer, who, to be honest, are a lot stronger than I'll ever be. So it's important that we put some time aside this month where we stop complaining about having to stay at home in front of the TV all day, poor us, and uh, we start giving our love to all the little kids out there, doing it far tougher than we all are. There are many uh, foundations out there who are taking donations for cancer research and whatnot. I'm not going to single out any of them in particular. Just do a quick Google search and I'm sure you'll be able to find them. So once again, all our love to all the kids out there battling cancer as well as to all their friends and family. Love to you all. Well said, Dando. Yes, I mean, if you can uh, offer money, that's great. If you can offer support in any way, by all means do so. Yes, it's a very, very good cause. Hey, my favourite. So what was your favourite moment from Lisa the Tree Hugger? I don't know if it was a favourite moment, but... Marge's song about put it in your cap has kind of stuck in my head. Um, you know, when you're just finding loose coins around the place, put it in your cap, put it in your cap. Yeah, I, I don't have a cap. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's. I don't, I'm, I'm wondering where she, how she first heard that song, how it got stuck in her head, and how she just decided, oh, that's good advice. And she's sort of tucking that away for a rainy day, and anytime anyone sort of says, give me some money. It's like, no, no, I won't won't give you money, but I'll give you even better advice in the form of a song. Um, So so, some of Marge's best moments come from her being a dork. Oh, very much so. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this was um, this was extremely dorky. Um, definitely. But one of my, uh, I think one of my favourite moments was probably Bart getting a job at the um, at uh, J- at Jay the Barber actually. <laughs> Oh, the barber. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And getting paid. Are you, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yes, he actually is insane because he paid him with hair. Um, but my favorite bit, and it's just a little throwaway, but it combines uh, two of my favorite things: Crusty uh, being disgruntled and Kent Brockman sort of um, saying things in a very newsreadery kind of fashion. When uh, yes, what was it? Um, when contacted for comment, Cressy said, "This I don't need." Because <laughs> <laughs> what I could just picture, uh, this I don't need. But uh, and then you get the Kent Brockman translate, "This I don't need." Yeah, I love Crusty just taking the gun and taking matters into his own hands. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but what my favourite moment, though, came from, and it's highly offensive, and I probably shouldn't laugh, but <laughs> Homer's throwaway of, sheesh, look at these refugees. How about a smile? <laughs> <laughs> what a dickhead. But, I'd, oh, man, I just, I, it's just the, the way Dan delivered that line just got me. The occasional, I mean, I think in a lot of, see, when we talked about season 11, there was a lot of... Um, yeah, dickhead Homer or asshole Homer or something along those lines. But I mean, it's it's so funny when when they get it right, and I think Dan has a lot to do with that in terms of line delivery. But yeah, when Homer is insensitive or callous, but just it, not in a a really sort of rude or abrasive way, but just in a kind of everyday way, <laughs> mis- mis- misinformed way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a bit later in this episode where, yeah, oh. Lisa's revealed not to be dead, or you know, she sort of reveals that she has she didn't, uh, you know, die when the when the um when the tree fell down. Yeah, I'm not dead, and neither is my sense of moral outrage. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I think we've seen a lot of times that Homer is a very yeah, he's not the best dad. He's not father of the year. He's he's no he's no Brendan Dando, let's say. But um, yeah, I think he genuinely um, loves and wants what's best for his kids, but, you know, he's not afraid or certainly not shy about, oh, God, they've got some things that really annoy me, and here's one of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I also love the, oh, Lisa's got it, nothing will bring it back, unless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to like about Homer, and, yeah, and, that, and that is also one of them, just, you know, when he thinks he's got a great idea, <laughs> you know, when he thinks he's got to put one over on everyone, just, mm, unless. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. All righty, trivia for this week. I'll kick off. Go right ahead. How much was the Game Station 256? Oh. Well, how much does Bart ask Marge for? Oh God! I remembered all the other numbers and not that number. Because um, <laughs> one of the numbers, one of the numbers is in there, in the title. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. it's two hundred dollars. <laughs> is it two hundred? Okay. Sorry, I just uh, doing calculations. But like, Ooh, what is it? No, nah, no, nah, completely lost that. All right, you're in the you're in the lead. But finally, knows? I'm winning. Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts, man. Um, <laughs> the headline: uh, Ketchup truck. It's hamburger stand. It's pretty funny, but how many died? Yeah, six dead. That was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny that they died, but it's just the way March is oh, like, oh, yeah. that's a funny line for Leno. <laughs> <laughs> um, what comic did Bart purchase with his money from Utah Now? Oh. Money buys funny. That's what he says to Lisa when he reveals the comic that he's purchased. It does indeed, and I can't remember it for the life of me. All right, go ahead. It's Itchy and Veronica. Oh, that's right. Oh, Betty. Hmm. <laughs> and by the way, your uh, naming the Thai restaurant took away one of my questions. Luckily, I've got a spare. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, always, I always have a couple up my sleeve now because we tend to steal each other's quite a bit at the moment. <laughs> uh, environmental protesters in New Orleans get hosed down with what? Uh, that would be Tabasco. Correct, sir. Nice one. <laughs> what is the name of Jesse Grass's organisation. Oh, for Christ's sakes. I suck this week. Um, <laughs> oh, it's Dirt First. They're Dirt First. Dirt First, correct. Mm. But bonus point, if you can tell me what level Lisa is uh, welcomed into. Oh, they've got an opening at the poser level. The poser level, correct. So yes. Two points to Guy Davis for that one. <laughs> okay, well, 
I'm probably asking a very obvious question here, but uh, Jesse is what level vegan? Level five vegan. Nothing that casts a shadow. I'm thinking, like, what, what does he live off then? Air? Well, that's. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this at a later stage because we were asked about um, in the mailbag about uh, vegan levels and all that kind of thing, and I did a little research into it, but we'll talk about that later. Ooh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what does Homer's bumper sticker say when he pulls into Moe's? Mm, no, I missed it. My child is a dead honor student. Oh God! <laughs> I did. I did enjoy. Bart and Homer bilking Lisa's fake death. <laughs> That's true. That was good. <laughs> um, uh, back to Jesse. He has uh, what style good looks, according to Homer? Uh, Bobby Sherman? That is correct. Bobby Sherman. I, d- I actually Bobby looked Sh- up Bobby Sherman because I'd heard the name, but I uh, thought, let's see if he actually does have non-threatening or, or whatever good looks. He's a, he's a bit Paul Ruddish. Okay. Do you so want to that- tell us who Bobby Sherman is? Uh, he was underway. a for viewers of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's a bit Rick Dalton-y. <laughs> Ooh, okay, he was, yes. uh, well, but not quite as successful as Rick Dalton. He was more sort of a um, teen idol kind of thing. He had a few sort of minor hits. He appeared on a few TV shows. Um, yeah, look, uh, he was well known in the late sixties and early seventies, but you know his career kind of decided, petered out a bit, and um, he. Focused more on, uh, he became a paramedic and a an officer of the LA Sheriff's Department. Good for him. Good on him. On your Bobby yes. Sherman. What is my final question? What fast food is finger ling ling good? Oh, um, is it Kentucky Fried Panda? Kentucky Fried Panda. Well done. <laughs> finger ling ling good is actually a pretty good, uh, pretty clever line in that regard. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. Hit me. Okay, then what is the um, the company name of the dancing Texan? Omnipave. Omnipave is correct. Oh, Dando, you're in fuego this, uh, <laughs> this time around. On I fire d- for our... I um, demanded that I win one. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So to celebrate my big victory in the trivia segment, let's get into some new names. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, before we get into the new name segment, we need to mention our awesome $20 patrons, Jordan Moleman Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Bellson, Brandon Twitchell, and our new man, Nick James, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> What a hall of fame. Oh my yes, God. I know, right? And our new $5 patrons, Commander Clean, Eden Babic or Eden Barbic, and Aaron Brown. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Remember, for as low as $1 this month for the month of September, you can get access into the Four Finger Discount Facebook group. So just go to patreon.com slash discount For $2 plus and more, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts. How amazing are all our patrons, Mr. Davis? Um. Amazing is too small a word to describe uh, just how magnificent and wonderful they are. Exactly right. And we don't just love our patients. We love all of our listeners, of course. So, that, like I said, I post on the Twitter page each week at Four Figure Pod. If you haven't followed us yet, asking for some new names from our non-patients, people who still listen to the show. We love each and every one of you. So, what have our listeners sent in this week? I've got here... All righty. Okay. So, Darren Miller, at Daz Miller, he sent in quite a few. He's got uh, Ekdo Warrior, Lisa... He's got uh, Sibstate, Lisa's log. Wood, as in, you know, wood that you chop. Would you believe it? Lisa has another crush. <laughs> uh, tree huggers and Moe's ball sack gluggers. All right. So that's from Daz Miller. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> nice from, work, Daz. From At Mars Llama. Uh, he's got Cow Rusty Burger. Bit of a play on the, the cows on top of the Krusty Burger there. Mm-hmm. And let's find one more here. Uh, this is from At Six Bit Sarge. They say. Lost in the woods and your eyes. Excellent work, you twits. Nice work from uh, all concerned. <laughs> is, that, is that their name now, the, the four-finger discount twits? They are, yes. I think we should... Uh, we'll get shirts made up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to be a twit, you can sign up to be a four-finger discount patron at patreon.com slash four-finger discount, where you will also be able to enter the Guy Davis New Name Championships with the leaderboard currently standing as this. So in third position, we have Neil Parks on two points. In second position, we have a tie for Garode Harrowhill and Jasper Bruce, both on three points. 
And uh, in first position, we have D.L. Gorman on five points. So hit me, mm. Mr. Davis. All right, all right. Well, before we get to three, two, one, honourable mentions. Mm. Um, such as D.L. Gorman with Pocket Mulch Ado About Nothing. Um, Andrew Pelicati, Andrew, thank you very much. You actually provided me with the correct pronunciation of your name. I was uh, throwing an H in there when actually the shut is more like a cut. So Pelicate. A um, shut. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm shut through the heart and you're to blame, Andrew. Um, <laughs> his, uh, his alternative title for this was a little snarky, but one that I actually kind of enjoyed, the obligatory Lisa episode. <laughs> Yeah, it now, really is, isn't it? But it, but at least tr- at least it told a it told a better story than the usual Lisa ones. I feel like she wasn't as righteous in this one as she usually is. That's true. And look, there have been some very good ones that have focused on Lisa or have sort of revolved around Lisa. I mean, I think of we're of course thinking of the Lisa substitute uh, is is main the one that leaps to mind for me certainly. But uh, Lisa the vegetarian is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think the um, yeah, it might be an unfortunate thing that when people tend to think of Lisa episodes are like. Okay, what lesson are you going to give us this time around? So, mm-hmm. um, yes, the obligatory Lisa episode. Well done, Andrew. But when it comes to three, two, one, let's start with Uno. And uh, one point goes to Ian Gordon. Ian for- Gordon is now on two points, equal third position at the okay. moment. Well done, sir. What has he got? He had felled by teen spirit. Oh, I like it. Well, it's not too bad, is it? I think you did all right there. Uh, two points. Sneaking a Nirvana reference into a Lisa episode. Well done, sir. <laughs> Good on him. Um, two points to Steve Roberts. Steve Roberts, new to the leaderboard. Also mm. tied for third position now. Steve Roberts, okay. what has he got? Well, he uh, gave us a couple, so I'm going to read okay. out the, the log that couldn't slow down, relevant to this episode, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. I know it's a good sequence. Anytime you say couldn't slow down, it's usually a pretty good one. Um, and also, I believe in a thing called love. Ooh, very good. Yeah. So we've got a few song references this time around, which I like. It, it could have been better if he said, I believe in a thing called log. But log, yeah. that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking as well, but I didn't want to say. <laughs> Do better next time, Steve. <laughs> Go the whole hog next time, brother. Um, or the whole log? All the, oh, man. <laughs> oh, by the way, look, before we get to three points, I'm sorry, there is there is one that I forgot to mention in the honourable mentions, but it's not really a title as such. But our man, Jordan Moleman Ritchie, or our, our pal, Jordan Moleman Ritchie, um, didn't come up with a title so much, but did come up with... Well, they did come up with a title, but it was linked to a poster. The, the new title was Cocktail Onions, and Jordan very uh, savvily photoshopped Mo into the poster of the Tom Cruise movie Cocktail. Um, Not with, bad. It, it looks good. It made me laugh, but it doesn't really... It's, it's a visual joke, and hey, we're doing a podcast. So, but... Um, we may actually, Maybe. with Jordan's permission, we may actually sort of cut and paste that and put that, uh, you know, a bit more sort of visible. Maybe we can um, we can have a little thing going in the Patreon group where we have the like a, a meme competition where it's like you've got to be a sort of like a, a poster for the uh, for the episode. But you've got to use Simpsons references, obviously. Not bad. Oh, get kind get of things your- that, and then. I know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop it, and we'll, we'll come back to you next week with an idea. <laughs> Indeed, get memeing, kids. In the meantime, but uh, three points standing tall, proud, and mighty on top of our dais is yeah, Geroid Harrier. Because he, he came up with a bunch of winners this time around. And I know sometimes it's quality and sometimes it's quantity and sometimes it's both. In this case, it's both because listen to some of these winners Morning Wood, but it's not, <laughs> um, it's not M O U R. M O U R Morning. That's correct, yes. Uh, Lisa branches out. I thought was pretty good. Oh, that's good. Forested development. Uh, But the one that really sealed the deal for me was Trunk and Disorderly. Gear, where are you? Is he in Scotland or Wales? I believe Irish. uh, God, he's probably completely insulted. Gear, I'm sorry, (laughs) brother. Where's he from, Albania, <laughs> Romania? Um, now I'm going to list some countries that start with C. I don't know. But, Gear, wherever you're from, I'm reaching across the waters and giving you a high five, man, because Trunk and Disorderly is a really good one. But, yeah, a lot of good ones around there. So three points for our man, Gear. So in third position now, we have a tie with Alistair Danik on three and Jasper Bruce, both on three. 
Second position, D.L. Gorman on five. And first position is Garode Gear Harry Hill on six points. Gearoid. Nice one, mate. Yes, we have a bit of more of an even spread at the moment. I'm liking it. Although Garod and DL are still taking top two positions, so you need to knock them off their perch, people. Keep writing your new names <laughs> in. Like we said, for just $1, you can get access into the Facebook group and contribute to the Guy Davis New Name Championship. Just go to patreon.com slash four-figure discount. Let's get into the review, shall we, Mr. Davis? Let's do it. The original air date was November 19th in the year 2000. Shortboard gag, I am not the acting president, and the catch gag was a parody of the Teletubbies. It's a very... Late 90s, early 2000s references, not just in this episode, but across the sort of uh, the seasons. I mean, Teletubbies, and there's a bit of Matrix soundtrack action in here as well. Yeah, I mean, they're a nice little time capsule of what, of, uh, yeah, what we were, what was front of mind pop culture-wise around this time. But, oh, yeah, I don't think the Simpsons writer's room met a Simpsons gag they didn't, I mean, um, met a Matrix gag they didn't like. Yeah, well, they they did it in the last episode too, didn't they? Was, oh, was I, I think it was the uh, the couch gag, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Joshua Jackson is a bit of an early two thousands reference as well. <laughs> oh, very much so. Oh, he's still going strong. Apparently, I mean, he's um. Is he really? I, I just I, anything post Dawson's Creek, I'm not aware of. Yeah, I don't think he's like um a star so much these days. But I mean, he works quite regularly, and yeah, I mean. What, what as long as you're in? working and you're happy, what more do you want? Well, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and and after all, he was Charlie and the Mighty Duck, so does it get any better than that? <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> Bart is watching Krusty. Uh, he sees the commercial for the <laughs> Game Station 256. Props to Krusty for just running out the clock on his show. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Three, two, one. Okay, that's it. We're done. Uh, unfortunately Bart only has the Game Station 252 just a piss take of just you know the PlayStation 1, 2, 3 that were coming out at the time Uh, Marge then is going to the newspaper she finds a good cutout this is also a dated reference the Leno oh yeah that's right yeah so (laughs) are monologues like a big thing still I mean, like, or was it more about the uh, the the skits that they do on the show as opposed to the monologue? Because people used to tune in, you know, to uh, to Letterman and to Leno to hear their monologues, but now it's just like whatever. Yeah, I mean, oh god, I can't really, um, I can't really recall the last uh, sort of late night monologue that I was that really caught much attention. I mean, I know that you know guys like Corden and I guess Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, they're more about the skits and bits. I think Jimmy Kimmel is one who. Um, well, occasionally, him and maybe Seth Myers are the ones who will, you know, really try to convey maybe, something with their, maybe with their monologues. Yeah, maybe Colbert as well, yeah. But, I mean, I remember that, um, yeah, Kimmel's the one that sort of leaps out for some reason. I remember he made a very sort of impassioned speech about American healthcare because his son uh, is quite reliant on um, yeah, medical treatment. So, yeah, but they're, uh, even then they're not so much funny. It's more like making sort of State of the Union addresses more than anything else. But, yeah, I mean, monologues for, from late-night uh, late TV show hosts, not really much the thing these days. Not Certainly certainly not as much as they were in the early 2000s. But I guess that was a case of back then you didn't have social media, so you wanted to hear, you know, celebrities' perspective, like their famous comedians' perspectives on things, but now they can just hop onto Twitter and give you their point of view instantly. Pretty much so, yeah, absolutely. So Bart goes to Marge, asks for money for the Game Station 256, and unfortunately, all he gets in return is the song. When you get a penny from a chum, don't just buy some bubble gum. Put it in your cap. Put it in your cap. When you find a nickel in the snow, don't just blow it on a picture show. Put it in your cap. Put it in your cap. I don't have a cap. When you spy a quarter in a pie. <laughs> Very catchy tune, isn't it? It's a catchy one. I just I just remember you know put it in your cap. I don't remember put it in your cap. Put it in your cap. The actual lyrics though, I mean about what you do with certain coins that you pick up. It's like oh, I can't really remember that. But uh, put it in your cap. No, that's good advice. Although where it do you put of, it, where do you put it in your cap? I guess on top of your head and then underneath the cap. Uh, that sounds impractical. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the song from Trials of Horror Six. The just don't look, just don't look. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Bart goes to ask Homer for some money. Tricks him into giving him some money, but unfortunately Homer has nothing. So he goes to get some jobs. I mean, this it's, it's kind of strange that a ten year old is going to find some jobs. Just like I mean, if a ten year old just walked into a barber and said, "I need a job," I'm pretty sure the barber would be like, "Sorry, kid, you're ten. 
But um, this yeah. guy is insane, as we soon learn. He doesn't pay him money; he pays in hair. It was <laughs> it, it was nice seeing characters that. Like, another example from like last week, we had the um, the mafia's mansion, the place we've always known is there, but never actually visited. And we've gone into Jake's unisex ca- uh, no, cafe, um, barbershop. I think she, that's where Lisa went when she got the gum in her hair in 22 short films ah. at Springfield. But it was just nice seeing a bit more to that character. And um, yeah, he's legitimately insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, then he goes to Utah now, which I've got here would probably be troubling to some viewers now because this is no doubt voiced by a, a white actor. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Hank Azaria. It's got to be, right? Yeah, you'd have to think so. He seems to be the yeah, go-to yeah. for the for the offensive <laughs> voices. As I as I've written down here, and I quote, "Don't know about that Thai accent, Hank." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah. I don't know. It's just let's just move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> it, ha- it it happened. <laughs> it was the year two thousand. So then he he's given the job to uh, deliver, or Bart's given the job to deliver all the menus. Because he wants to send his daughter to a small liberal arts college. So he goes to Mo. Mo is brutal here, isn't he? <laughs> I'll cut you like a box. Along the flaps. Along the flaps. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. <laughs> uh, so Bart says, I quit, you know, because he gets abused by Mo. I'm not doing this anymore. It's too dangerous. He gets called a quitter boy. Um, <laughs> if, if It's hard to say. So he says, be brave like prawn. I don't want to do the voice because the voice is offensive. But um, I did. I did. Get a chuckle out of it, you know. Don't be weak like shrimp. Be brave like prawn. prawn it's sort, yeah. we, we sort of get like a Karate Kid style training montage, don't we? We do. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I've forgotten the name of that actual device that uh, that people use to sort of work on their their blocking and punching. I'm sure it's got an actual name that uh, that big sort of wooden tree looking thing. But uh, yeah, they always just oh. They intimidate the hell out of me for some reason. I can't. I can't picture sort of going up against one of them, and I know it couldn't hit me back. But it, it's just like oh. <laughs> I'm not hitting this object. It might hurt me. <laughs> I, used, I you know I used to do taekwondo, and oh. then I fell backwards like through a window. So, like, so we're doing Wait, we're doing what? these championships. We're doing these championships <laughs> at this place. Yeah, I think it was like towards Grovedale Way, and I would have been I don't know twelve, and. I know this kid kicked me so hard that I stumbled backwards like through a window. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I was like, "I'm done." <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't go through the window. I like fell into it and it like started breaking. But I was like, "I think I'm done." I don't like getting kicked, <laughs> especially through windows. <laughs> uh, but then we get the uh, the Matrix parody of Bart delivering all of the menus. So he drops one off and burns his door, as well as the other nice touch of being on the uh, dog's collar as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I believe this is the same apartment building where Summer and Patty live. Um, and then he drops them off. I always get a chuckle now. They seem to appear more regularly, the, the rich people, the ones with the monocles and whatnot. Yes, I, I did enjoy that. And you hear just various disgruntled kinds of, oh, oh my goodness. Well, I never. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I never. Can't get, can't get another well, I never. Lisa notices all the menus and now just polluting the streets. She saves the fish. Fish gives her a little smile as he uh, swims back to safety. She confronts Bart about it, and Bart, so Bart just doesn't care. Do you know how many trees were cut down to do those, for those menus? I don't know, a million. <laughs> <laughs> but as he says to Lisa, money equals funny. Uh, Bart decides he's going to shout the family to Krusty Burger, and I mean, I get it, but it is still kind of harsh how the whole family just completely always like just continues to make fun of Lisa's beliefs. <laughs> Yeah, not the most supportive clan, are they? But I mean, no, especially I, like it was weird seeing Marge laugh at her as well. I think all I think all all sort of morals and ethics go out the window when Krusty Berg when you know Krusty Bergs and Frosty Chocolate Milkshakes. Forget it. Bart, it's so sweet of you to take the family out to Krusty Burger. Hey, some people in this family are doers, and some are donters. Don't you call me a. Ugh. Take that, Lisa's beliefs. <laughs> I love that. Take that, Lisa's beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> they then arrive at Krusty Burger. Oh, how cute. Kids, look who's on the roof. I knew this day would come. The cows are taking back what's theirs. No, I think they're protesters. Hey, there are cows on the roof. I thought my pager was busted. <laughs> Get back in. It's only funny with a small car. Take down the clown! Take down the clown! 
Listen, I'm on your side. Let's get a dialogue going. Take out the mother cow. The rest will follow. Your corporation cuts down the rainforest to create grazing land for cattle. Oh, for the love of... Give me that! No, you can't! Don't worry, honey. They're just firing beanbags. You can't silence the truth with beanbags. That's nice work with the bag, Zuka. Gotta love what you do, Chief. Mm-mm. I just love Homer's, the cows are taking back what's theirs. <laughs> <laughs> but also, when Krusty first fired that gun, did you first go, oh my? <laughs> I, did, I didn't realize our beanbags. I was like, oh shit, he's shooting these guys. <laughs> no, nothing Krusty does at this stage surprises me. <laughs> uh, so Lou, he loves his, uh, his bazooka. Gotta love what you do. Oh, it's yeah. Got- <laughs> Then Lisa, she goes around to see um, Jesse because he's been shot off the, the roof. He lands on a pile of beanbags, asks if he's okay, and uh, basically he gets arrested here. He gets taken to municipal court, <laughs> and Wickham has no idea of the, uh, of, <laughs> yeah, of the, of what he the just puns said. he's making. They're hilarious. Oh, by the way, quick a, a quick shout-out to um, Crusty's neat clown car gag as well. <laughs> this yes. only works when it's small. <laughs> <laughs> also, the end of this, um, this scene was one of my favorite moments it's another homer moment homer was my favorite part of this episode i don't know why but just the look lisa i'm in a i'm in a limo the simpsons are going to paris, to paris. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard but just i don't know dan's just so great what he does but yeah it's so it's it's our uh, tease here that lisa is clearly smitten over jesse we come back from commercial they're all watching the news report on jesse getting arrested and you're right when they say that they're just sort of making fun of how sort of not arrogant some of them can be but just the, you know the way he puts his fists in the air like you know like he's you know, yeah. fighting for the cause it's like come on dickhead but um, <laughs> but then the family you know because they start making fun of Lisa because Lisa wants Homer changes the channel Lisa wants him to put it back and we get the you know the Jesse and Lisa sitting in the tree just the childish stuff so they're just <laughs> the family are just not supportive of Lisa at all in this episode until she climbs a tree and then all of a sudden they're supportive of her well they're clearly saying that you know um, she's made some money where her mouth is yeah yeah Yeah, sure. Aren't you coming with me? Hey, I get enough flaming toilet paper thrown on me at home. Fire in a hole! Jesse? You do yoga? Yeah, but I started before it was cool. My name's Lisa Simpson. I think your protest was incredibly brave. Thank you. This planet needs every friend it can get. Oh, the Earth is the best. That's why I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> well, that's a start. Uh, well, um, I was thinking of going vegan. <laughs> I'm a level five vegan. I won't eat anything that casts a shadow. Wow. Um, I started an organic compost pile at home. Only at home? You mean you don't pocket mulch? Oh, it's so decomposed. Do you think I could join Dirt first? Well, we might have an opening at the poser level. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, Mr. Davis, explain to me. Tell me your research on level five vegans. It's not really a thing in the vegan community, as I discovered when I visited vegan.com. What, vegans8.com? Oh. (laughs) I know, they they dropped the ball. They missed the opportunity. (laughs) They could have had, like, what, vegans8.probably.org. .org, yeah. And then you then you click on the sign. It's just not meat, <laughs> and that's all it is. Um, but the this site vegan dot com did acknowledge that um, yeah, the, the Simpsons actually sort of came up with this phase. And I think I don't know how many vegans use it, tongue in cheek or whatever. But I think if you were going to be a higher level vegan or a more active vegan, I mean, it goes beyond what you put into your body and more also what you wear on your body and what you wear. Yep what you put on your face or the rest of your body. Well, I mean, like clothing and cosmetic items or care items. I and thought that was like all that. just part of being vegan. I thought if you were, if you consider yourself vegan, then you can't wear animal products either. I thought that was just part and parcel. How can you be a vegan and still wear animal products? That's the thing. I think, you've, I think you'd, you have to be a pretty hardcore dude like our man Jesse here to sort of say, oh, no, this is pleather that I'm wearing or, you know, because, um, I mean, according to you know what I was reading – Pretty much every fabric outside of the wholly synthetic ones, you know, there's some degree of animal cruelty or animal mistreatment or just animal unpleasantness uh, involved in 
you know ma- the the sort of creation and manufacture of it. Um, so, look, I think there if there are not specific like oh no, I am actually level five or level four. I don't think that actually exists, but there are certainly levels of veganism within veganism. I mean, the lovely Louise, um, uh, I was about to say flirts with veganism. No, not so much flirts with it as, you know, she's got a fairly committed relationship, although occasionally she cheats. Um, occasionally she's unfaithful to, to the vegan code. But um, at the same time, she's got a lot of, you know, clothing that's leather or, or what have you. So, and, you know, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that she's sincere and wanting to do right in the in the vegan sort of ethos but uh you know some people take it to extremes and some people do what they can it's like the religious folk that don't go to church but just pray like hell on their deathbed that is correct <laughs> <laughs> but enough about that let's not get into it um we're moving on and homer he drops off lisa at her hippie club and they announce that they've just stopped the saint patrick's day parade because they step on several lizards every year and then they <laughs> play the video of the tree auction I loved this um, reference to having the Thai guy there. $50,000 for Thai menus. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice little throwback. I wasn't expecting that. So, yeah, it was a good call. Uh, By the way, may I just say as well, Jesse's um, short sleeve T-shirt over long sleeve T-shirt, that look, it it was very real back then. And honestly, I still wear it to this day. You do it now? Oh, yeah. Really? Short sleeve -sleeve T-shirt over long sleeve T-shirt. Still cool, man. <laughs> I think I've seen someone wear that for a long time. You have to do it next time you're able to visit me. <laughs> you have to post it actually, post it in the Patreon group. I want to see people's thoughts. Before they hear this review, post it in there saying short sleeve underneath long, uh, over, over long sleeve thoughts. I want to see what they say <laughs> <Okay>. about it. <laughs> okay, I'll, do, I'll definitely do that. Then the rich Texan, he purchases the, uh, purchases the tree. I always love how much of a kick Quimby gets out of the rich tank Texan dancing. <laughs> like he claps along all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I mean, I, yeah. I was stoked by the um, by the fact that the, every time that anytime anything goes well for the Texan, he just has to break into a little dance and usually shoot off a few rounds or whatever. I didn't notice that Quimby was so into it. Yeah, he was like smiling and clapping along. It was great. <laughs> uh, Jesse asked for someone to live in the tree. But he says you cannot come down, not even for Burning Man or there was something oh, else, a, con- or a, a concert fi- of some kind. Or a fish concert. Fish concert, that's right. They can't cut down that sequoia if one of us is living in it. Any volunteers? I'll do it! Oh, I'm so there! Oh, me, me, me! Whoa, hold on. Once you're up there, you can't come down. Not for a fish concert, not even for Burning Man. Oh, well, someone will hear the call. And whoever does... I have a place in my heart. <sighs> the family are then all at breakfast and we get the refugees line. Lisa reveals that she's got a plan. You're not going to like it, but she's going to do it anyway. Homer, she's going to knock on her stash. <laughs> I wonder what the stash is. I bet the stash is like cookies. It'd be cookies of some kind, I would say, yeah. I can't <laughs> see Homer doing any sort of like high-level drugs. When is the episode when Homer... Um, marijuana? Yeah, gets into medicinal marijuana or just I marijuana. believe... It's season 13? Could even be later in this season. I'm not too yeah. sure. But I remember that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. I just remember that line from it about it, you know, you know whether you're, whether you're easing, uh, easing physical pain or just watching The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Another Matrix reference. Yeah. <laughs> so Lisa's arrived at the tree. I did like here that she second guesses it. Perhaps I could just circulate a petition. Hmm. Um, because, because it... Man, that tree is fucking high. I would not be oh, climbing God. that tree. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I mean, if you ever... You, you must have seen pictures of, like, the redwoods in California. Yeah, they're huge, um, yeah. I mean, those things are monstrous. I mean, we've probably got things just as huge down in Tassie, for instance. But, uh, yeah, no, the California redwoods, and um, which I'm assuming this are sort of inspired by, yeah, they're monsters. Uh, the turkey calls Lisa a chicken, so she ends up climbing... <laughs> Then the Texan and the Lumberjacks arrive, start your chainsaws, but it's revealed that Lisa's in the tree, and this is where Jesse arrives, calls her Laura, so they're just playing on here that, you know, I wouldn't say he's, he brainwashes people to do what he wants them to do, but it's like, he doesn't really care about Lisa, he just sort of cares that he's convinced someone to do what he needs them to do. Oh, yeah. No, he's a, <laughs> he's, um, I'm loath to say, a good general in that regard, but, you know, he's, a, he's an effective 
sort of general or field marshal is like, you know, getting people to lay down their lives or put themselves in harm's way for the cause. It's the um, it's one of the traits of an effective leader. Hober wants to be angry at Jesse, but he just can't, can he? He's just too good looking. Oh, he gets lust in his eyes. Then we get Lisa and she's receiving uh, items from the family. Again, here. So Bart sends her Thai soup. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very sweet gesture. I like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and you know, Lisa, you rock. So it's, I always like when Bart is supportive of Lisa in scene, like in moments like this, you know, because they do clash all the time and he might make fun of her, but... At the end of the day, he still does a he still does sort of a I would say he's in awe of her, but he sort of looks up to Lisa, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, look, I think I think it's one of the nicer bits or better bits of Simpsons Simpsons characterization. I don't I don't think they sort of get too um obvious with it too often, but I think there's a nice sort of dynamic between the two of them. I think, you know, Lisa probably kind of admires Bart's recklessness and, um, you know, cheekiness and free spirit and all that kind of stuff, uh, while Bart sort of respects and admires Lisa's commitment and, and to, to good causes and all that kind of stuff. I think they're quite complementary in that regard. Even if even if the... Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe that doesn't even exist. But uh, I, I think it's something that we've seen in the in the relationship between these two characters over the course of the show. Marge, however, is calling the rescue authorities and Homer is building a giant letter, but it is of poor quality. <laughs> Man's got to know his limitations. That is right. Then we get the uh, the news report on Lisa uh, and then Lisa looks at the uh, at the house. Through, there must be some high-powered binoculars, by the way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, she sees the shadow or silhouette, I should say, of uh, Homer, but he's actually choking Bart, not cuddling him. And then she sees him, you know, making popcorn and hanging up Christmas stockings and painting Easter eggs, just every cliche in the book. Mm. Uh, the, the thing is, though, how long has she been up there? Like, she's been up like a day and she wants to come down already? <laughs> as, you, as you said, Dino, she is eight years old. <laughs> she is saying. eight years old, correct. Um, so she goes down, she says, I won't hurt if I go down for a couple of hours. She kisses the tree goodbye. Unfortunately, some, someone's been marking their territory. But then when she walks in, as you mentioned at the start, how wholesome does it look? You just want to get in there and just snuggle, don't you? Oh, goodness, yeah. It looks so nice. Curl up in front of the yeah. fire like that. Ooh. That's one thing we're getting installed here soon is the um, is a, a fire, a wood fire. Oh, for real? Yeah, we can't wait. Because we'll say we're not going to have it going over Christmas time because it's usually warm here. But mm. that's one thing Nicola misses about England is sitting in front of a, an actual fire. So, yeah, we're going to get one installed. Nice. Yeah, there's yeah nothing, can't wait. nothing beats it. So Lisa wakes up the next morning. She realizes, oh shit, I better race back. She goes there and the tree, and it's drawn to look like it's being cut down. Yes. It? Like, sort of saw straight through. So it was a good cut to commercial. We come back. Lisa is blaming herself. She can't believe that she left her post and the tree's been cut down. Marge turns on the TV to help forget their troubles. And Brockman reveals that it was actually lightning that, uh, that struck the tree and cut it down, all attracted by Lisa's metal bucket. It was a great reveal, wasn't it? It was indeed. Springfield's oldest resident has died. No, it wasn't Mr. Burns. It was this majestic old redwood, which was brutally cut down last night. Oh. Not by loggers, but by lightning. Lightning? Oh, at least it wasn't my fault. Lightning attracted by this metal bucket. Yeah. Still unknown is the fate of tree sitter Lisa Simpson. I'm afraid it doesn't look good, Kent. We found her sleeping bag right here. Our working theory is that the lightning exploded her. Back to you, Kent. You don't get to say that. And Wiggum here. We are. We assume that Lisa has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Homer walks in, thinks Lisa is dead. Oh no, Lisa's gone, and nothing will bring her back unless. Dad, I'm not dead. Oh, praise God, you're alive. Unless... Oh, my. They made you a shrine. I loved Lisa Simpson. Loved her like a shrub. And I would give anything to see her sweet face again. Oh. <laughs> but in death, she will do more for our cause than she ever could have done in life. Uh-huh. In Texas, we do tragedy right. That's why, in memory of that poor little girl, I'm turning this entire forest into the Lisa Simpson Wilderness Preserve. We won, Lisa. We finally won. This is for you. 
cut off his favorite dread. So you think here that Texan's actually uh, turned a corner. He's going to turn it into a wilderness preserve. And you know, once again, Jesse making it all about himself, you know, cutting off his favorite lock and putting it on her, on her memorial and whatnot. Ugh. But Lisa says, well, as a result of all this, I have to now pretend I'm dead because otherwise they're going to you know, go back on their deal to uh, turn it into a wilderness preserve. Flan- oh, mate, this is actually one of my favorite moments as well. Flanders arriving with the bake. The baked goods. <laughs> must hide must hide Lisa. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? It's like the Simpsons have never had any luck with farce or whatever, but then they just turn it into a whole kind of mistaken identity, you know, people uh, posing as something else kind of farce deal. <laughs> but yes, that home come in. <laughs> so good. Uh, Skinner has to give Bart straight A's now. But what's the catch? <laughs> the loss of your sister. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> Homer is then at Moe's with the voice recording from Lisa. What did you make of the line here? I ain't never said no to a dead girl yet. <laughs> is that meant to be creepier than what it is? No, I don't think it's that creepy. I think it's just, uh, it's Moe's version of chivalry. Okay. <laughs> I don't know whether they'll go for something yeah, there. Yeah, oh, look, there's, all, there, anyway. there's always an underlying creepiness with Moe. Um, there is, you're um, right. But yeah. this is, you know, a combination of creepy and wholesome. That, that only Mo can pull off. They're at the big reveal and uh, the, they are cutting the ribbon. Millhouse there snatches the, the saxophone before it gets played so they can clone it from the spit. Good luck, <laughs> Millhouse. I love that. <laughs> uh, the text that actually reveals that it's not going to be a wilderness preserve. It's actually going to be Lisa Land, the amusement park, which is not what they signed up for. Uh, dirt first. So Lisa then arrives. She's full of moral outrage, as you said before. Oh, here we go. <laughs> But uh, Jesse being the, the activist that he is, he cuts the wires, which causes the log to, uh, to fall down and take off. The only thing here is, so the way the log was situated with the yes. head on top, when it fell over, the head wouldn't be facing that way. Well, I can only assume that when it fell down, it sort of snapped and went on an angle. So the, uh, so the face is now facing forward. But then the base of the head would then be on the ground, not attached to the tree anymore. Mm. We may have to go. It back doesn't and, matter. We, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> you're, you're reminding me of something. Another sort of tale from <laughs> from Guy's life. But uh, recently, I was over with the lovely Louise, and uh, her daughter wanted to watch all the Harry Potter movies from Go to Woe. Okay. Oh, is this the Sorcerer's Stone? Yes. Yes. So we were. Watch- yeah. Go for it. Tell us. No. <laughs> no. So we were watching the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> I. By the way, sorry about this, patrons. I did actually lie to you. I did not say uh, during the screening, it's actually Philosopher's Stone. I didn't do that. I may have mentioned it at some stage, but no, I didn't go all Hermione on it. But um, uh, Lou's uh, youngest son, who I think had seen it once before, was sort of taking issue with any time anything even vaguely magical happened. He's like... Why is he using that device to put all the streetlights out? Why doesn't he just do it all at once? I said, young man, when it comes to things like this, there's only one thing you have to remember. Anything that anything that seems vaguely illogical or silly or whatever, just go, magic. That's all you got to remember. Yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> a, a, a wizard did it. <laughs> yeah, a wizard did it. That's it. <laughs> and after that, he, he quite enjoyed the movie. But um, <laughs> So, yes, I think you can pull a similar thing with The Simpsons. So it's kind of like when you watch Star Wars and things like that, and people try to make sense of things that happen in Star Wars, and I'm like, it's fucking Star Wars. It's what a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shit's not going to operate by our rules here. That that was like George Lucas's out. It's in a galaxy far, far away, right. and a long time ago. So, so shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, so the log's taken off. Um, Jesse, a little bit crazy now. Return to me. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's good. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's got his head a little way up his butt and it's like, mm, yes, nature can bend. Well, I've been a servant to nature for so long. Yes, yeah, time for nature to serve me. And yes, clearly it doesn't, Jesse. Don't be a dope. <laughs> it heads for the business district. It knocks over Pom- uh, OmniPave, the Kentucky Fried Panda, as well as Hemp City. <laughs> One more for the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse gets locked up once again. Um, I did like the uh, the solar-powered electric chair. Oh, Dude, we've been here all morning. Could you at least re-moisten my head sponge? Well, 
I'll write you letters on rice paper with a soy pencil. Ah, oh, you're sweet. <sighs> Did they ever stop that log? Not yet. What's up with that? But then he thanks Lisa, gives her a little kiss on the cheek. How old is Jesse? It's weird that he's hanging out with an eight-year-old. <laughs> yes. Um, I would assume he's he's got to be maybe 19 or 20. Um, then we get the uh, little farewell song of the log mode chiming in as well. But yes, it was a fine episode. It told a, it told the story it was supposed to tell. It did it in a, a way that wasn't too preachy, which I... Because that's... It's, yeah. I think, and we mentioned it earlier. It's when you see there's a Lisa episode, you always go, oh, God, they're going to be preaching something to me. But I think Matt Salmon rode the line well here. He, it was preached, but not too preachy. I think it's because he had um, Joshua Jackson's character, Jesse Grass, not like, like he, was, he was a bit of a douchebag as well. So it sort of showed both sides of being an activist. Yeah. It wasn't all just pro activist. Um, it was nowhere near as funny as what we've had so far in season 12, but that's fine. Um, this episode wasn't really the one for funny. Yes, yeah, so all, all thumbs up. I would say thumbs up, certainly. I mean, um, oh, by the way, yes, as I said, any excuse to use the Matrix music because uh, that's what we've got over the uh, over some end credits. But yeah, yeah gen- generally thumbs up. I mean, uh, it didn't really disappoint, but nor did it, uh, you know, <laughs> have me uh, dancing like a uh, like a happy Texan. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? Uh, pockets are a uh, good source of making mulch. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. So decomposed. What else are you going to put in there? Ooh. Do you ever find pocket money anymore? Like, like I, I mostly use my card these days, but occasionally I go through you know, an old pair of jeans that I haven't worn in six months and go, shit, there's 20 bucks in the pocket here. I, I haven't been so lucky as to find 20. I did find a fiver the other day, which I was quite happy about. I mean, I'm wondering what the sort of ceiling on, on or, the, or the lowest level of money that you can find in your pocket that would make you happy. I mean, like finding a fifth. I think a gold. I think a, a gold because a gold. You're at least you know, even if it's just one dollar, you almost got a can of coke. That's that's a I mean? good one. Yeah, I think I think uh, any pocket change that's not gold. I mean, a fifty's good. A fifty a fifty for me still has that kind of ooh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the most royal of the uh, of the silver coins with its you know, I, what is it? Is it? Octagon? I can't remember. But um Ah, it's more than octagon. I think it's got more I think it's got at least ten sides. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. but yeah, yeah, but you're right. Um yes, but uh pocket pocket mulch. It's 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 yes. sweeping the nation. What did you learn? I learned that uh as Lisa uh, proves to us, family are much more important than trees. And I know in the current <laughs> climate we don't get to see our families all that often. But uh I think what this what it's done is it's made us realise how important for most people, not everybody, but how important family is to us because when it gets taken away, you know, once it gets taken away, you realize this. So I just can't wait for this uh, this lockdown to be finally over so I can actually go and hang out with my parents again because I never thought I would say the day where I want to hang out with my parents, but I really want to hang out with my parents again. <laughs> A very nice and sincere point, Dan. No, I really shouldn't have been taking the piss with pocket mulch. You, you, <laughs> I like what you had to say there, sir. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Alrighty, mailbag. This week, we asked the patrons, Mr. Davis, what they would like us to answer. For the month of September, you can access the four-figure discount Facebook group for just being a $1 patron. We contribute to the patron mailbag. All right, so Mr. Davis, just going to flick through these questions here. Mm-hmm. First question here comes from, now, do you want to pronounce the name? Andrew. Pelicati. Is it Cutty? I thought it was, didn't he write it was like cats? Isn't oh. it Pelicati? Okay, it's Pelicati then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'll get it right, Andrew. Stick with me, brother. He says, if you could create your ultimate Simpsons... Oh, it's a good question. If you create your ultimate Simpsons theme park, what would it contain? Rides, attractions, food, merch, location. Well, of course, it's got to have at least one uh, water slide called Mount Splashmore with... where It should be like a lucky dip, right? So it should be, you know, there's two slides. <laughs> one of them, they can somehow make it so every like four or five rides... A random fucking homer just appears in the ride and you just get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling I would be that person. I'm almost afraid to go to um, I'm almost afraid to go to a water park these days because I'm afraid I'd just get uh, get jammed in. Oh, by the way, I watched this really cool documentary the other day. This is only this is sort of related to this, uh, and it's coming up on the Foxtel, I think on the twentieth uh, of this month in Australia, and I think it's already aired in the US called Class Action Park. And it's about uh, this uh, 
a sort of water park slash amusement park in New Jersey in the 1980s that was called Action Park, but it was so shoddily put together by this really shonky guy who ran it that it got the nicknames Traction Park or Class Action Park because there were so many lawsuits as a result of people just, you know, getting terrible injuries at these uh, really risky rides that were sort of, you know, very jerry-built. It's, it's a really fun documentary. Having said that, I mean, it's also got a bit of a downside because a few people actually did die because of their... Uh, misadventures at, Cl- at Action Park, but yeah, a fun doco that's uh, well worth checking out. But uh, uh, sorry, oh, sorry, back to, uh, to back to the Simpsons I, theme park. I'm just in- <laughs> I'm just envisioning how they could make that work. So rather than have a giant Homer, what they could do is maybe have like a hologram where it just appears <laughs> that you're about to run into where it appears you're about to run into Homer, but you actually just go straight through it. <laughs> I reckon that'd be cool. That'd be terrifying. Water slide. You'd, you'd you'd piss your um your uh, board shorts or your wet or your, or your <laughs> thing or whatever. But that's all right because I think the water at uh, most water parks is what forty percent urine anyway. So I think uh, I think that's okay. Maybe some sort of ride where you have to go over a giant gap and it's like going over Springfield Gorge on the skateboard. I think you have have, to have one where you evade the hounds. Ooh, that would be very cool. Yeah, mm. or you're at the um. Eh, I don't know if this is that much fun, but I think it could be kind of interesting. You're at the controls of the nuclear power plant, and you've got to um ensure that the plant doesn't blow up due to your own ineptitude. You got to prevent a meltdown. You just you just got to go any, mini, money, mo. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it must have a crusty burger with frosty chocolate milkshakes. Yeah, well, that's what they've got at the um the Springfield in Universal Studios. They've got a crusty burger and whatnot. Not gonna lie, the food was not great there, but it was still cool. They got a, a bar, so you can obviously have alcohol there, and they got a bar there. It's, it's just Moe's, and um, yeah, that was a really <laughs> fun experience buying a duff at Moe's. I mean, it's all inflated prices and whatnot, but that's what you get when you go to a theme park. I really, yeah. I, I, that was one of my favorite parts of the entire honeymoon was going to the Springfield uh, at, at Universal Studios. It was just cool to finally see just this The Simpsons brought to life. Basically, it was yeah, it was very very cool. <laughs> Did um, it what, have the dank? It didn't have it didn't have the dank. It was far more. It was it was too bright to have a dank. You know what I mean? It was um. Uh, but the dank. It, it, I know, right? The uh. dank. The dank. It did have um. Did have a life size <laughs> Barney there though. We can get photos with. So that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, next question here. Alrighty, Georgia Catherine says, "What have you done or gotten into because you were trying to impress a love interest?" I'm going to throw this one to you, Mister Davis. I don't know how well this particular story paints me, and it's not something that I got into for love. But uh, let me take you back about uh, just over 18 months to when uh, I first met the lovely Louise and we were first sort of courting. In fact, this was probably like our, maybe our second or third date or, yeah, not, we hadn't been together long. Um, it, was, uh, it was summer in Australia, stinking hot. And um, she called me up and said, oh, a friend of mine has dropped out to go into, going to day on the green. Uh to go see Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, would you like to come along? And I'm like, hmm. On the pro side, I really like this girl and I would like to see more of her. On the con side, it's stinking hot. And I'm not a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I, mean, I like them fine, but they're not great. <laughs> last um, last thing you want to be around on a hot day is Chili Peppers. Well, <laughs> exactly. It was a Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers day. So I was kind of like... <laughs> In the end, I said... Yes, you do like this girl. I think you should spend more time with her. I think you might have to take one for the team this time around. So, yes, I'd love to come. Thank you very much. Lou and I were talking about this not long ago, and she said, that may be one of the only times I've seen you grumpy. I could tell that you weren't mad on going. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was a free ticket to, you know, day on the green to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Parliament Funkadelic, who I really dig, were, were there as well, and we caught their set. And, you know... Lou and I had a few drinks. We had a great time. We got to know each other better. And I think that sort of may have, oh, no, consolidated our. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So um, it was a great debut at the end of it. But she was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think you really wanted to be there. I was like, I probably didn't. <laughs> I think it was one of those days where it's just like, uh, I think just want to draw the curtains and, you know, lie on the couch, you know, completely naked with a cold flannel on my forehead or something and turn up the air conditioning. <laughs> I just better say with a cold flannel. I um I'm glad that's how it worked out though, because I just had this vision then when you said we recently spoke about it. I thought she was going to say, Remember how lovely it was that time I went to Down the Green? And here you are saying, you know, I might take one for the team and go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did that's what I did for love. <laughs> I didn't really oh tra- travelling to England for the first time, like I, I 
only ever been on a plane to Sydney. That's all I'd ever done. Oh. And then I had to get on a plane and fly all the way to England by myself to go and uh, meet Nicola's family for the first time in September of 2011. And that was a oh, wow. harrowing experience. I won't go into details. I'm pretty sure I've already explained it. But uh, traveling to the other side <laughs> of the world, being shit scared on a plane, that's pretty much what I did for love. <laughs> <laughs> well, having met uh, Nicola, I would say that she is well worth it. All right, so final one here. Dave Abbott-Smith, he says, what's your go-to for Thai food? For him, it's chicken green curry, mixed entree, rice, and the largest serve of satay sauce they have on the side for dipping. So that sounds like a death sentence for Nicola. Uh, <laughs> for, for us, we have to obviously make sure that there's no nuts in anything that they cook. Uh, we always get the chicken pad thai, uh, beef grapao, I think it's pronounced something like that, with uh, mm-hmm. with coconut rice and some spring rolls for an entree. What about yourself? You can't go past the spring rolls, absolutely. Having said that, when I saw what David written about here with the uh, the uh, Thai green uh, chicken curry and rice and all that kind of stuff, I was so inspired that I ordered that that that, that night. I got Uber Eats in because it's just like, damn, Dave, you're making that sound really good. I mean, he didn't sort of paint a particularly sort of florid picture of it. It's just like oh, you know what? I could really go tonight. Thai green chicken curry. Thanks, Dave. So, And I was actually pretty impressed by it. Let's, let's, let's plug our favourite local Thai restaurants before we wrap up today. What's yours? Um, there's one called Penny Thai that, uh, that I quite like on Paco. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, that's the one that's sort of leaping out for me, but uh, you go ahead and tell us your favourite. Well, we've got a, the two best ones for us. Uh, there's Lorm Thai, which is at the other end, sort of near Geelong's home ground at the AFL near Skill Stadium. Or what's it called? Oh, GMHBA. yeah, yeah down the end of Tandy, the Barman Club here in Geelong called Lorm Thai. That's really good. There's one around the corner here to, to, uh, in North Geelong called Bangkok Street, which we sometimes go when we can't be... be Bangkok bo- Street's great. Yeah, sometimes we just can't be bothered waiting or driving all the way to Lorm Thai. So we just go, you know what? Bangkok Street's two minutes around the corner. <laughs> let's just go there. <laughs> yeah. Bangkok Street is a very good uh, very good one. They've got that, um, that sort of fried chicken entree that uh, is just delightful. Mm, sounds good. But thank you guys for listening to our review of Lisa the Tree. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're doing an episode that I'm looking forward to reviewing. It's Homer vs. Dignity. It is the birth of Pudding in Lenny's Eye, Mr. Davis. Can't oh, wait. Finally, Pudding in Lenny's Eye. He's not supposed to get Pudding in it. He is not supposed to get Pudding in it, but you are supposed to listen to this show, and I hope you tune in next week. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Back to you, Dando. You don't get to do that. Shh.